The following is a Sports Ethos presentation. Follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. As the intro says, this is a Sports Ethos presentation. So, check out Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos online, sportsethos.com. Today is Tuesday, the 10th of May. Yo, it is crazy how fast this month is flying by. But we had another great night of basketball the day before. Let's go break it down. We had the Celtics and the Bucks clash in Game Four. Boston comes on top, one sixteen to one hundred eight, behind Al Horford, who has been in the league since two thousand seven. So, fifteen year vet. This guy was picked third overall by the Hawks that season. Has had a long career, fifteen years so far. He's been a five time All Star. Uh, was on the all-rookie team. Ten years later, was on the all-defensive team. In between that, was all-NBA in 2011. Like, the dude is, has been a seasoned pro, you know? And, and besides playing with the Hawks for just about a decade, he also spent time, a previous stint with Boston, and a year with Philadelphia that we don't like to remember, and also a year with OKC that we legit do not remember. So, you know, all that being said, this guy's been around the block a couple of times, has this experience. Well, Al Horford leading the Celtics to victory, eh, at 35, it doesn't seem super crazy. I mean, the guy can still produce at a decent level. Uh, we've seen the impact he's had on the squad. What if I've told you, though, Al Horford had a career high in points scored last night? That'd be a little different, wouldn't it? Yes, a career high in points scored for Al Horford in year 15. And... You know, this shows you the type of all-around game that he had, or maybe the fact that Al Horford has never been a crazy big scorer. Also, side note, the full name is Alfred for Al Horford, which, like, Alfred, you know, Pennyworth from Batman. I only pointed it out because I had no idea and feel less uh, on top of things because I didn't know. Shocking to me. Alfred Horford. Anyways, moving moving on. Al, I just thought it was always just Al. Uh, he only, his career high of points scored over his playoff career is only 30. But goodness gracious, did the Celtics need every point. Because Milwaukee, you know, we'll talk about them in a second. They were relentless. Alfred had those 30 points. He had eight rebounds as well. Was just white hot from the field. 11 of 14 from the field. 5 of 7 from 3. 3 of 4 from the free throw line. Um, he actually was tied with Jason Tatum, who also had 30 on a much less efficient scoring night, 11-24 for him, 3-10 of 10 from 3, uh, and 13 rebounds for Tatum. But those two led Boston in scoring with a pair of 18-point scores in Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart. And then you had 11 points off the bench from Derek White, including a big three to keep the distance for the Celtics. As far as Milwaukee goes, listen, 
The guy who set the tone at the very beginning of the game was Wesley Matthews, who drew, who drew a couple offensive fouls on the Celtics, made a great strip on Jalen Brown, was just generally a good defender, knocked down a couple of threes. And uh, Matthews played well, finished the game with 12 points on 3 of 5 shooting, all three of his shots being threes, um, and then uh, going to the free throw line as well. So, good play for him. Giannis, uh, not the most efficient. Again, Boston's defense uh, was pretty effective and also forcing him to take jumpers that did not go down. He finished with 34 points, 18 rebounds, and 5 assists, so it shows you that it really didn't do a whole lot. But he also had 5 fouls as well and just struggled uh, generally from the floor. Brooke Lopez had 17 points. Uh, you also had 16 points from Drew Holiday, who threw in 9 assists as well and 7 rebounds. And, like, while I say that, and it sounds good, it hasn't been super efficient. Over the last couple of games, Drew Holiday's been putting up good scoring numbers, uh, looking like a great sidekick to Giannis in terms of helping in that end, but it's taking a lot of shots to get there, and his effective field goal percentage has plummeted as a result. Uh, last night, he was 5 of 22 from the field. Ladies and gentlemen, that's 22%. Not great. And then 11 points from Pat Connaughton. So, uh, I, if this doesn't tell you how much they need... Chris Middleton, I don't know what will, because you're looking at Giannis, and then whatever you can cobble together um, from Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez, and at that point, anything else you get after that is gravy for Milwaukee, and there just hasn't been a whole lot coming there, all right? And so now, you know, we, we take this series back over to Boston for game five. Definitely going to be exciting to see how Milwaukee responds, how Boston goes playing back at home, and the fact that Robin Williams had banged knees in game three. So it was a late scratch. So is he back and ready for the Celtics in Game 5? We shall see. Um, but just finer takeaways, I mean, for Milwaukee, listen, they played considerably well given that Al Horford had to go off. Things were like some 16 points in the fourth quarter, you know, and they were still right there. They were still right there. So I don't know how I look at Milwaukee, aside from being, I don't know, better when it comes to executing down the stretch, being more disciplined. Uh, Giannis spoke about after the game. Down the stretch, Boston made more shots, you know? Uh, and, and mind you, the Celtics shot 40% through the first three quarters of the game, and the second quarter, they exploded, 16-19, 4-5 from three. That makes a difference. So we'll see um, how game five plays out here at the end of the week, but I am excited to see uh, how Milwaukee adjusts. At this point, I think adjustments are kind of done. It's really just coming out and playing hard and, you know, tit for tat. We'll see who matches whose energy, and we'll go from there. That's why I love the playoffs. The star of last night's Warriors-Grizzlies game was not Steph Curry, even though he did knock down eight free throws over the last minute on his way to 32 points. It's not Draymond Green who made a key defensive play with a nice block on Jaron Jackson Jr. to secure the win. It's not Jordan Poole who was consistent throughout offensively for the Grizzlies. Or Andrew Wiggins who had 17 points and 10 rebounds. Or Clay Thompson who scored 14 points despite missing every single one of his seven threes attempted. It's not any of those guys who helped Golden State more than one man. His name is Mike Brown. That's right, Mike Brown made history last night, not only being the first NBA coach to be named a head coach 
for two teams in one evening. Uh, he was announced as the new head coach of the Sacramento Kings on a four-year deal, which will obviously take place next season. But also, unfortunately, Steve Kerr um, tested positive for COVID less than two hours before tip-off. And so Mike Brown was uh, handed the keyboard, or the clipboard, if you will, as acting head coach, just like he did during a title run five years ago when Steve Kerr was out with his back surgery. And just like five years ago, the Warriors prevailed again, albeit the score a little bit closer than it may have been in years past, 101-98 to over the Memphis Grizzlies in game four last night. Um, Mike Brown, man, undefeated. He was 11-0 during that 2017 title run. Well, make it 12-0. Uh, of course, according to the record book, all these wins eventually will go to Steve Kerr, who is only padding his stats, if you ask me. But, you know, it is what it is, right? <laughs> um, yeah, the Warriors had a tough game. The Grizzlies led pretty much the entire game, right up until the final minute. Uh, and they had a bunch of different players that paced them, just in general. Offensively, it was a rough night for pretty much everyone. But Tyus Jones had 19.6 rebounds and 5 assists. Uh, starting for injured all-star John Morant. Listen, Tyus Jones is going to get paid this year. Just 25, solid backup point guard. The reason why the Grizzlies were 20-5, and five, now 20-6, and six, without John Morant at the helm. Well, not the only reason, but one of the main reasons. He just plays with pace, plays consistently, has just his monster assist-to-turnover ratio, can shoot the ball well. Like, the guy is a solid backup point guard, and it kills me that Minnesota let him go, ever. I mean, even if they have, like, a Tyus Jones light in Jordan McLaughlin. It just, you had, the, you had the archetype right there. Anyways, um, Dylan Brooks played, returning from the one-game suspension, and I bet you Grizzly fans wish he didn't. Uh, he missed a three-point try with 53 seconds left. Mind you, a, a dumb shot at, in general. But he also finished 5 of 19 with 12 points, 8 assists, and 5 rebounds. And yes, the numbers are lying there. Like He was not as impactful as those numbers would make it seem. Uh, Coach uh, Taylor Jenkins after the game that he forced a couple trying to get his groove back. Obviously, he's been off for a couple of days, but he's played with force under control. I love the playmaking that he had, end quote. Well, let me tell you one thing. It didn't happen too much. All right? That is for sure. Uh, Steven Adams returned for the Grizzlies from health and safety protocols. He played six minutes um, in Saturday, and he had 10 points and 15 rebounds. Um, so, that, that like, in terms of him playing more and being more of a factor for the Grizzlies on the boards... That's what Adams can bring. One of the better rebounding bigs in the league, and we saw that as well. But it was a rough, rough game. I mean, the Warriors had 11 first-half turnovers. They had 16 overall. They missed their first 15 threes before Otto Porter made one with 324 left in the first half. Uh, this made them the first team to go 0-15 from long range to start a game since the 2011 Thunder were 0-16 against Dallas way, way back in Game 3 of the Western Conference Finals um, that year. So... Pretty crazy, uh, just kind of seeing that. And yeah, we had some low-scoring fourth quarters. The, the highest-scoring quarter, or low-scoring quarters in general, the highest-scoring quarter we had was the 39-point fourth quarter from Golden State. And a lot of that, let's be real, was padded on free throws. So pretty rough going if you were looking for a game that wasn't a rock fight. But if you love these grinded-out, nitty-gritty games, this is what you're looking for. Um, Kyle Anderson at 17 points on 7-8 shooting, but unfortunately just 2-7 from the free throw line. Left a lot of points on the table in that regard. Desmond Bain only had 8 points and 6 assists, still laboring mightily with that back injury, and it sucks to see that. And then we already mentioned, um, in addition to Dylan Brooks struggling, Jaron Jackson Jr., 21 points, yes, but on 7-21 shooting, missed every one of his 7 threes uh, and just 5 rebounds as well. So pretty rough night up and down the board for all.
Jonathan Kaminga almost went and did a, a Jay Crowder special, but way less minutes. Five minutes, uh, one rebound, and one assist. So, you know, and a block, too. So, you know, he did what he could. Um, and this is as Warriors still try to find a strategic adjustment to losing Gary Payton uh, for the remainder of this series, at least, and trying to juggle around different guys because Jordan Poole defensively is lacking, for lack of a better word. So, again, series shifts back to Memphis just middle of the week. We'll see how the Grizzlies respond in Game 5, whether John Morant does return. If he does, um, you know, whether the Grizzlies are able to be galvanized by his return to take it back to Golden State for a Game 6, or whether Golden State wakes up and says, hey, we can take care of business like we've done many years ago, close them out of their home court, send them to their fans crying, and move on to the Western Conference Finals. Again, this is why I love it. Like, we're going to see, a, a, I hope, a fun game. It's been a really nasty playoff series overall in my own opinion, in terms of having back and forth with injuries and blame and the code. Like, like we're in some type of 90s sci-fi movie. Remember the code. It has to be the code. Like, I don't know. It just feels really, really weird to me to have all this back and forth marring an otherwise really competitive series between one old team trying to come at a young contender, a young challenger, and hold them back for the trip to the Western Conference Finals again. You know, and for the Grizzlies, hey, they're trying to say this is our time. They're knocking on the door. They're making things uncomfortable. Maybe they are like cementing themselves as the team that you're gonna have to definitely fear for the next couple of years. But screw that, like fear us now. This the storylines write themselves, and the basketball for the most part has lived up to it as well. So yeah, I need a fiery uh, Warriors offensive game and an electrifying grizzlies game as well just to finally get them both on the same page so i can really just embrace all of that but in the meantime between time i will take what i can get right we do have some news awards uh nicole Jokic, nicola won for the second consecutive year the kia nba mvp award listen he earned this award i was Definitely more of a proponent of Joel Embiid taking. I really feel like Joel Embiid put himself in great position to win the award. I understand why Jokic won. Uh, and, and in winning, is now the 15th player to win multiple MVPs. But I thought Joel Embiid, I mean, storyline-wise, it wrote itself. The way that he was able to really put the 76ers on his back amidst all the drama they had with Ben Simmons, which, if we remember, was pretty pervasive uh, amidst the inclusion of James Harden, who did not come in looking like Houston James Harden, still hasn't looked that way. I, I just feel like Joel Embiid really put himself uh, for a seat at the table. You know, in the words of, of the great Hall of Famer Isaiah Thomas, you know, he met all the criteria, you know, to be invited, but he just wasn't. <laughs> but enough about him. We can talk about Joel Embiid in the future. Um, you know, in fact, they play tonight, so we'll talk about that later. But, uh, yeah, Jokic's back-to-back MVPs are now up. Uh, what, they were just done by runner-up, I'm sure, Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, during the 2018-2019 season. And the third finalist, Joel Embiid, never won the award. I was really hoping a true big man could take it back. He would have been the first one since Shaq to have done it. But I did just say I was done talking about that. Aside from assists, Jokic improved upon his per-game averages in every major statistical category. Finished with career high in points at 27.1 points per game. Rebounds, 13.8. Blocks, just under one a game. And steals, one and a half. He also made a career high 58.3% of his field goals, and he did set highs in total free throws made, 379, and total three-pointers made, 
97. I actually always thought Jokic hit more threes than he's actually hit, but 97 is a lot. Um, but again, you know, Embiid won the scoring title, 30.6 points. I mentioned all the stuff I did about that before. Uh, Giannis Nakumpo, the Bucks finished with the highest record of the three, finishing third in the East with a 51-31 record. Uh, the 76 for the record had the same uh, record, but finished fourth due to tiebreakers. And, you know, all these guys overcame some real adversity to get to where they did. Anakumpo had to play out of position at center because Brooke Lopez was out for a large um, stretch of the year. Nikola Jokic, I mean, come on, we know the story about him already. Jamal Murray didn't play a single game this season. Michael Porter Jr. only played nine games all at the beginning of the year. So Jokic's ability to keep his team afloat without their second and third best players was probably what did it. I wish we'd use that same argument when we talk about Russell Westbrook back in 2017, but I digress, I digress. Agenda, I know, I know, I know. So this is interesting. Um... For Jokic, who we know really doesn't care about the award, as well as for Embiid, who we know really does care about the award. And then there's Giannis, who's won it twice, and yeah, three would have been nice, but you know, it is what it is, voter fatigue and all that. So, definitely respect to Nikola Jokic for winning this award. Definitely uh, well-deserved. And listen, he's one of the great players of our game. Like, I'm not going to say he's the greatest of of, of, of all time. Not of all time. The, what do they say? Greatest player in the world? I hate that line. Like, how do you even come up with that arbitrary? He's the greatest player in the world right now. I mean, yeah, there's some clear guys. LeBron, 2013, Durant, 2017, you know. Like, you can name some clear guys, but I don't think that every year there has to be a greatest player in the game, you know, or, or best player in the world. I, I just don't see it. That's just my thoughts. This year, you can make an argument for Embiid. You can make an argument for Jokic. You can make an argument for Giannis, like, as the best player in the world. I can make an argument for LeBron. I would lose, but I can make an argument. See what I'm saying? Anyways, um, that's it for that award. Also, another award, NBA Coach of the Year, Monty Williams of the Phoenix Suns, who led them to a just franchise best 64 wins to only 18 losses, improving upon last year where he led the Suns all the way to the NBA Finals. Um, Monty just earned this award straight up and down. I thought he deserved it last year uh, when, you know, NBA Knicks fans went on their agenda and uh, gave it over to Tom Thibodeau for getting the sixth seed. I know, I'm sorry. I just wasn't a fan of that award last year. But I think that Monty Williams definitely deserved it this year. Uh, like I said, I feel he deserved it the year before. He's done a really good job leading this Sun squad, this veteran unit, but making players feel empowered, enhancing the game of uh, DeAndre Aiden and Mikel Bridges, and, you know, undergoing his own adversity as he has to instill his own personal principles and leadership style on the Suns team that, let's be real, needed that. Maybe they didn't know they needed it from their coach in that capacity, but they got that from Monty Williams, and it was an amazing job that he did to boot. So, what is there for Monty Williams there? Uh, the Suns will actually play tonight, so we'll talk about them in a minute here, but really, really good to see um, from a guy who you just can't help but like, you know? it's just not a whole lot of more likable guys out there that are that cool, that humble, that, I don't know, really, really neat. I mean, this is what he said after he won. He said, this is so stinking cool. God has knocked the ball at the park, and I get to run the bases. Like, come on now. There's not really a whole lot I can say aside from wow and congrats to Coach. Do have some sad news here to report on Ramble Ramble. Um, former NBA player Adrian Payne, uh, who was also a Michigan State basketball star, uh, passed away yesterday at age 31 um, in a shooting. Uh, he was shot and killed in Orlando. 
according to authorities in Florida. And this is a tragic loss. Um, Adrian Payne, uh, just renowned as a person of character, um, somebody who, you know, was, was warm and gregarious and really just made time for people. Um, this is horrible to hear. Uh, the gunman was later identified by police as Lawrence Doherty. He stayed at the scene. He was interviewed by homicide detectives, and he has been arrested on first-degree uh, murder. But this isn't even about him. This is about Payne. All about Payne. Um, Payne was a standout. He played four scenes at center for the Michigan State Spartans. Uh, twice won the Big Conference Championship. Drafted in the first round of the 2014 draft by the Hawks. He played four seasons in the NBA with the Hawks the Timberwolves, and the Orlando Magic. And then he went on to play internationally, um, including China, Greece, France, Turkey, and Lithuania. And this is extremely, extremely tragic. Um, Payne was loved by his teammates, loved by his coaches, uh, put in the hard work to develop as an NBA player, and even more tragic, but also just more of a kind of sign of how good of a person Adrian Payne was. He'll be remembered more than likely, especially from Spartan fans, for his friendship with Lacey Holsworth, who was an eight-year-old who had been stricken with neuroblastoma in 2012. Um, and he was with her, you know, just being a very good friend. She went to a senior night. Um, he gave her and her family strength, and I'm sure she did the same for him um, until she ultimately passed in 2014. So, just a, a day of tremendous heartbreak for Adrian Payne's family. My thoughts and Prayers go out to his family um, and to all those affected by his passing. Uh, Draymond Green was a teammate of his and one who was profoundly affected as well. And it's just a sad tragedy all around. So we're going to take a moment just for Adrian Payne. All right, well, that will do it here for another episode of Ramble Ramble. Definitely want to make sure that y'all check me out on Twitter at CorbinNBA. This is Sports Ethos presentation, so look up Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos online, sportsethos.com. Tonight we have two games, Eastern Time, both on TNT. 7.30 of the Philadelphia 76ers and the Miami Heat. Series is tied, two games to two. They say, you know, the series starts when someone wins on their um, opposing team's home court. Hasn't happened yet, so... We'll see if Miami can, you know, regain some control back home or Philadelphia can steal one and put the pressure back on Miami heading back to Philly. That'll be again at 7.30 p.m. At 10 o'clock, same thing. Dallas Mavericks, Phoenix Suns. Both teams held serve on their home court. We'll see if one team can win a game on the other's home court. I am excited to see if Dallas can do that. They found a way to kind of muck the game up and force Phoenix out of looks that they were feeling comfortable doing. Um, and for Phoenix, I mean, Chris Paul turned 37 and then promptly lost his collective basketball mind out there in Dallas. So maybe he can get that back and lead the Suns to another victory to head back to Dallas up three games to two. We shall see, but I'm pumped for both of those games. But until tomorrow, y'all, I am Frosty. Y'all stay frosty, and I will talk to y'all real, real soon. I right, y'all.
This has been a Sports Ethos presentation.